And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PNR with This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, content marketers. I'm Robert Rose. Welcome to episode number 84, PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded on Monday, June 22nd, 2015. Well, happy summer, or is it winter? Yep, that's right. Today is the first full day after solstice. The summer solstice here in the Northern Hemisphere was yesterday, June 21st at 439 UTC. And the solstice was the same for our friends down under, of course, where it's the first full day of winter for them. Winter has come. Oh, Jon Snow. But for us, we're going to celebrate summer here in PNR. Because why? It's summer. Joe and I are your Don Henley's boys of summer with our Wayfarers on. We're here to bring you the Bananarama cruel, cruel summer of content marketing and native advertising, Eddie Cochran's Summertime Blues. You'll be thinking it's the Brian Adams Summer of 69 or the Motels Suddenly Last Summer with our This Old Marketing example, and then we're going to bring you some rants like Eleven Spoonful Summer or City of the Summer and Rays of a Seals and Croft Summer Breeze. And to do all that, of course, it's time for me to bring in my co-host, my colleague, my good, good friend, and the hot fun in the summertime the heat is on king of content marketing summer mr joe polizzi how are you my friend oh i like that hot fun in the summertime i just been wanting to sing on the show forever and you never let me of course i don't ever let you i never let you You never (laughs) because the ratings would plummet (laughs) we don't do that how's your uh, how's your trip around the world well uh i i will be glad to report for all of you who tuned in last week that my luggage did indeed arrive um hours before i left the lovely city of toronto so I am now carrying double the amount of luggage with me because, of course, I had gone out and went shopping and did get skinny jeans. I it did indeed get some skinny jeans. And don't they just feel – you just feel better. We're, there's, well, there's just, uh, let's, life no, is better really with don't. skinny pants. I, I don't think that's true, actually. Um, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I think I might look okay, although somebody might say I look like a sausage stuffed into a too tight skin. Um but I, you know, ultimately, I, I think uh, there it turned out it turned out well because I got some new clothes, and I do have more luggage than I need. But now I have lots to choose from, and so I feel a little I feel a little decadent actually. Like you know, I've got more, I've got a whole wardrobe to choose from. You should lose your luggage more often. Yeah, exactly. Or they should lose your luggage more. Well, often, it's made it's well, it's made the trip it. a little less profitable than it might have otherwise <laughs> been. Did you have to buy another suitcase too? I did. Oh no, yeah. I had, oh, you did. I, so you have just two sets. I have two. I have two of everything now. Well, la di da. Exactly. Mean, right. You know, you're special. I, you know, I feel like I'm I'm royalty on the Titanic. Put my trunk away, sire. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now I'm back from London and I'm in New York um, and uh, having a lovely meeting today with. Um, some of the good folks at this little company called Content Marketing Institute where we're doing oh, yes. some strategizing for the second half of 2015 and um, all things good. And then I'm off tomorrow to uh, Seattle to visit with a client um, that you might know. You might use their operating system daily. And then I'm home. And I'm home for my birthday and home for uh, for the 4th of July and all that. Excellent. That's, that's wonderful. Yeah. And then, yeah, I, as you know, I took my – my last day trip last week that went fantastic, and now I'm, uh, uh, you know, caught a little bit of the bug here. But by tomorrow, I think I'm going to be fantastic. But, You'll be better. All right. You'll be better yeah. for sure. I, I certainly hope so. Do we have uh, Do we have news we this week? We do have some news. When you this were week. rocking and rolling we all over the world, we have here? the news this week. Is it summertime here in the city? Um, our first story for the show comes from a couple of places. Actually, we're pairing a couple of stories together because it's it seems like it's this is the week to launch new content marketing stuff. And basically, we have two organizations from the opposite sides of the planet launching uh, a new content marketing forum and a new content marketing association. So the first story from forum-corporate-publishing.com, so Forum Corporate Publishing, I guess, is its name. This is in German, so if you don't speak German, you are not going to get very far. So go with Google Chrome and get it translated if you want to read this. But basically, it is the FCP, which is the Forum uh, Forum for Corporate Publishing, has now changed its name. Um, which is a really kind of a big thing, and I want to get your take on this, Joe, to sure. the Content Marketing Forum, where they say, 
quote, the renaming is a consequence of the market development and particularly our positioning work the past three years, said the association president, Dr. Andreas Siefke. Um, and it goes on to talk about how they have, you know, this traditional, um, their corporate publishing, what they've called corporate publishing forever. Uh, is now being called content marketing. And then in Asia, all the way across the other side of the planet, we have a new, from this is marketinginteractive.com, a new uh, content uh, marketing association called the Asia Content Marketing Association launched just uh, today, actually. It just came out with a press release saying that they were going to be the content marketing association because, says the founder, content marketing is fast evolving in the region and that there's a lot of misunderstanding about what it actually entails or even means. So what do you think? I mean, are we spreading the gospel around the world? What's going on here? You know, this is really interesting. Um, I, so so just, just go back a little bit. If you look at the current Content Marketing Association out of London, they right. used to be called Association of Publishing Agencies. Right. And they, and when, when, you know, good organization, but when I was first working with them, they were very much against the term content marketing, but that fell, I guess it's been about two years now, and they changed their name to CMA, Content Marketing Association. I've spoken at at the uh, forum corporate publishing events two years. Michael Hoflick is a good friend of mine. He's done a great job over there. But in talking with that group in Germany, I got to be honest with you, very much against the term content marketing. Did not like it at all. Really liked uh, the corporate uh, publishing vernacular, if you will. And what's interesting is you and I, I don't even know if we covered it on the show, but last week or two weeks ago, there was an article from some of the leadership there at Forum Corporate Publishing or one of the authors on the site that said that we weren't they weren't ready to make the switch that it was Which content I, that, yeah that was and then here it is a week later two weeks later they're making the switch to content marketing forum they're launching a content marketing academy uh, this is just interesting to note that if you didn't believe it before you better now that content marketing is the industry term because it's being picked up throughout the world now and so it's, it's, I mean, I got to tell you, it kind of warms my heart. I mean, well, it's, it's, it was, it, it, yeah. especially because you and I have been going out since really 2007 and we've been talking about, hey, no, we've got to, we've got to all get on the same team with our, uh, with how we're going to talk about this and how we're going to position it. And you and I said, no, content marketing makes the most sense when talking to marketers. Here's why. And nobody, you know, for the first three years, Nobody really paid attention to us <laughs> at all, actually. First they and they thought you. we were crazy. Then they yell at you or whatever it is, and then they we then you win or whatever it is. <laughs> it's, it's just interesting just to see this happen. So, I mean, congratulations to both groups. Yeah, I mean, we know people inside both these groups that have started this. So I, we wish them all the best. And like we do with every organization in other countries and even in the United States, we are completely supportive. We're 100% behind you. If you need resources, uh, if you need um, our thoughts, uh, you know, support, whatever the case may be, we're here for you. Uh, we want to see this thing grow in your countries as it has in North America. And uh, it's just interesting to see. I, and, and you know this because I sent it to our internal group at CMI, and I was shocked yeah. when I saw this release come by. I'm like, it's the one in Germany specifically. I'm like, because most people don't realize it. I mean, if you look at the United Kingdom and Germany, they are the two longest standing groups when it comes to content marketing now uh, that's been around uh, for you know even longer than the, the Content Council in the States, even longer than us. They were there first doing this, but they called it in the UK customer media, and in Germany it was called corporate publishing. Um, so it's just interesting yeah. to see it. Yeah, I can't believe well, it. Well, it's 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 and it and it's this came out interestingly enough while I was in London, and while I was there <laughs> speaking at Futurecoms, which is a PR focused event. And I was asking around to some of the attendees there if they'd, you know, if they'd heard of this, and sort of a few of them certainly that did work in Germany had heard of the, the corporate publishing uh, forum, and were quite frankly just, just very surprised because there in the PR community, of course, content marketing is just getting, you know, just getting its legs underneath it, and you know, it has not, it, you know, there's still resistance there, even, you know, even me talking, which I'll get to in a little bit, there was some resistance talking to, about, you know, the idea of content marketing and, and sort of what it represents. And I think, I think seeing this happen, it, I think it, you know, it, it, it marks a, a change. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty, you know, it's one of those things that'll be, 
you know, I, I think, uh, uh, you know, when you do the revised timeline thing that we did back, you know, a few years ago with the music and everything, I think this will be this will be one of those ticks in the timeline. Well, well ha- you know, hats off to you, too. And, and of course, I'll pat myself on the back a little bit. You and I, have been, we've been to London and Berlin and Munich many, many, and Hamburg Am- last year I was in. We were in there many times evangelizing this. I mean, and and a lot of people from our team have been talking about the same thing. A lot of our uh, other family members, CMI family members, so a lot of people talking about the importance of everyone getting on the same page and calling it the same thing. And if we do that, we can make more strides internally. Together, we're stronger, Joe. T- exactly. I can, we're all holding hands, singing kumbaya. There's no I in team. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, moving so, along here. Good deal. In, Let's in go. In other on. news, um, yet another launch. Um, uh, some hat tips out, especially to uh, Carl Yeah, who set uh, this from up there in the north in Canada. Um, and the article comes from us to, uh, from the publication TechInAsia.com, and it's called Article Bunny. Are you ready for Article Bunny, Joe? Um, yeah, you know how they say there's an Uber for everything, says the article when it opens up? It says, yes, this new platform wants to add to the list Article Bunny, which launched this week, which says they have an equally transformative impact as Uber. Okay. Um, and this time, on the way that businesses build original and engaging content. Apparently, what Article Bunny does is it enables companies to order marketing content in a range of styles and formats from professional writers. Because it's an end-to-end marketplace like Uber, businesses can trust that their projects will be completed on time and to their standards. This is sounding awfully familiar to me so far. It's a departure, says the article, from freelance websites like Scripted, Fiverr, and Upwork, where business owners post a project, wait for freelancers to respond, and assume the risk of the content being to low expectations. Article Bunny's writers apply and are screened before they start to work, while the startup's management takes control of staff, communication, revisions, delivery, and payment. What say you, Joe Polizzi? Is this uh, yet another competitor to all of the crowded market in this space, or does Article Bunny really represent the future, the Uber uh, of content marketing. Well, I haven't yet used Article Bunny, so I have to <laughs> put. I have to put that. You know, I don't know. I guess nothing against the name, but it's it's hard to. I don't know, man. I was well, look, I was, okay. I was stuck on Article Bunny. I'm like, really? Article. I mean, Bunny? so this is. I got to tell you, this is this is. Why not text hair? <laughs> Why? I like. I mean, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Word cheetah? How about picture donkey? How about <laughs> no? Oh my gosh! I'm taking out that. I'm going to GoDaddy right PictureDonkey.com. now. Picture donkey. Picture donkey. Picture The place where you can get your visual content. You don't have to go through all the. I'm sorry. I just need to. Don't be an ass. Use right picture there. donkey today. <laughs> you had to go there. Oh my. Anyway. God. Anyways. So they're they're talking about. By the way. I I don't know the platform. I don't know the people involved. I'm sure it's lovely. I, I'm, 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 I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's a great platform. I don't have any issue. But they they present it as a different solution than all the other ones. I don't see it. It's not it's from the, not from this these. article anyway. We don't. There's no. I mean it. It's it says it. I know there's some that let you post your own project and you work the system. They're saying that they take over control of that. There's a lot of systems that do. They that all do that. They, already. they all do that pretty much. If you request it, yeah. they will. Absolutely, you can. Do, there's the self uh, self service model, and then there's the full service model, and a number of them have it. And my my issue, and this is this is not an issue against the system. This is just an issue against marketing. They're basically saying you can get an article for forty nine dollars. So they're not marketing to the low low end, like your five to ten dollar. When you know Google. Uh, you know the two hundred dollar blog post, which is in its prime, and you know we were early days, and we could sort of uh, do the you know the gray area, um, gray hat, if you will, methods to get found in search. But so they're saying forty nine dollars, but it's still real low end type content. I find it hard to believe to get top notch industry related content that you're going to get. You it are for, not getting for, differentiating for 49 bucks. I will not. say it. I, you will. You could get raw. I mean, I, I guess you could get raw general interest content for 49 to 236 dollars USD. Uh, and then that's basically the price and it's priced on per word basis, but they didn't, it looked like I was on a per article basis, yeah. but that's not the case. So 
It's it's fine. I just I hope just they're weird. super successful. I really do. I don't want to. I don't want to sound like I'm coming off like I'm I hope they, they sponsor fail. Content Marketing World. Yeah, yeah I mean, we don't want to. We don't want to cut them down. I don't. I mean, by the way, I love any entrepreneur that takes a risk and goes out there and, and launches something. Yeah. I guess I would just look at the positioning because it's very hard to believe with what they say. Hey, we're different than all the other platforms, and we do this, this, and this. And you and I were talking about it. I'm like. But they, that's what the other ones say they do, right. and we've been in a lot of we, them, and they do do that. Right. So we kid because we love. That's I mean we do and we do. Is- Good luck to Article Bunny. We we hope we would. I would say look at your positioning, and I I wouldn't base your value proposition on price. I really believe there's no way to win that that battle, and it's just hard to make because Uber does not win on price. Absolutely, Uber not. does not win on that's price. Correct. So that's correct. Yeah, when I was in when I, when I was when I was in the content management business. Um, there was a, a competitor that came up in the early 2000s. So those of you who were back in the early 2000s and that were in content management, you'll actually remember this. There was a company that came out that was selling into enterprises for, for web content management. They were called Hot Banana. And it was – I always thought to myself – how. Who is the marketing manager who's going to go and make a case to their boss or the CIO or the CMO of the business and go, I got – here's the big idea. I'm going to go and I'm going to bring you a solution and it's called Hot Banana. That's that's what we're going to run our website on. It's just why not warm turnip? Yeah. <laughs> why not cold cucumber? I I don't know. I'm just yeah. it's just it we should just yeah, go. Yeah, we should on, move along. This is going downhill it, it just, fast. <laughs> <laughs> You're sick and I'm a- yeah. Episode 84 is the worst <laughs> off, episode off the rails. ever. All right, yeah. our next our next story comes to us from this is a fascinating story actually. Comes to us from digitalnewsreport.org. The attitudes toward branded and sponsored content. Uh, big hat tip here to Steve Rayson at BuzzSumo who sent this over to us um, through the hashtag. So thank you to Steve for that. The article opens up by saying, traditional display advertising on the web is in trouble. Yes, we knew that. Um, Fewer people are clicking on banners. Yields for publishers are static or falling, and many users shut off ads completely. YouGov's research, and this is what is really at, uh, at play here, for this report shows that in both the U.S. and the U.K., between a third and a half of online news users use software that blocks the most popular forms of display advertising. Then they go on to talk about branded advertising and native advertising, or branded content, I should say, and native advertising, and explain what they are in a, in a pretty hefty and, and thorough way, I would say. Then they go on to talk about this research that was done and that talks about the attitudes of consumers for branded content and native advertising. And some of these were interesting results. What did you, was there anything in here that really stuck, you know, stuck out for you? Well, I didn't get there till the end, but the question that I had as I was reading this was, what did they find, what, what was hurt more by, let's say, uh, not not positive or not good native advertising is it the media company is it the presenting company right. or is it the is it the sponsor and what we found out is it's both it, but it seems like the media company gets hit harder so if there's any negative by the way it it looks like i mean you can make the case by looking at this even though and you you mentioned this it presents it in the negative like oh my gosh 28% feel more negatively well that's you know 72% don't right exactly so so it's not you know so that's just interesting to to see um what i thought was also interesting is they said it seems to be a clear cut you know entertainment is all on limits off limits would be you know news politics and finance so if you're a media company and you focus on news, politics, or finance, native advertising is a harder sell. Um, but what I thought was really interesting, and I wanted to get your take, there was a whole section of this article that said, uh, basically, we don't want native advertising. We don't want our news supported by commercial means. Did you get that? Did you read did. that whole section? Yeah. And I'm like, news has always been supported by commercial means. What's, what are you talking about? But they don't want it supported, in I guess in with content support. Well, I think what you're talking about is is you know, and this is you know, this is there, there are some different there's some international differences here for sure. Um, you know, wh- where you've got news that is partially or fully funded by state or is nonprofit in nature versus got the it. U.S. Yeah. where you've got full commercial, you know, sort of you know. Uh, but, but it makes it sound like yeah. Let's say that yeah. But let's say it's your uh, your New York Times and that news. What, I know it's not native. It's not that article wasn't 
in particular, Shell did not say, I'm going to spend money for you to produce that article. But the news operation is supported by advertising. That's right. Commercial means. And that's where I was like, you know, you're just getting a little bit closer to the money. Yeah. But exactly. other than that, it's still the same thing to me. But I get it, right? Yeah. No. And, and the thing that, and the thing that that that, that I, I, I come back to what you just talked about with the, the the flipping of the stats and stuff. One of the things that stuck out to me was in the UK. In the, the the article says in the UK, a third have felt disappointed or deceived to a level that rises more. Or uh, by the native advertising, and then it's a level that rises to four in ten, forty-three percent in the U.S. Um, and then it makes the statement that the higher figure in the U.S. of course could be the fact that native advertising is more prevalent here. Um, and, but it's the reverse that because I actually looked at the way that they did the you know they asked the question, and the middle value there, which is the bo- you know the majority in both, was neither nor right. I'm I'm neither. I don't disagree or I don't agree that I feel disappointed or deceived by the native advertising. So you have to be able to count it both ways. And if you flip it on its head, that means that 67% and didn't, you know, didn't feel disappointed or deceived in the UK. And, you know, and 57% in the US didn't feel. So it's a, a majority in both counts didn't feel bad about native advertising at all. So to me, that's the story. It's not that a third feels disappointed. It's that 67, almost 70% didn't. And so when I see, if I'm a publisher and I see that, it's like, all right, well, there's something interesting there. Yeah. Because, like it's, maybe it's not going to be as bad as we thought. That, it was. Exactly. And yeah. that it's not. And that, and, and by the way, this is after the audience is then told that the article that they just read was sponsored in some way. And so they, it's not that they, it's not like they felt disappointed or deceived after reading the article and suddenly discovering this they were actually at the end of the article they were told that the that the article that they just read was sponsored and now now knowing that did they feel deceived and 70 percent went uh no actually i don't well i mean but even on the news side i just i watched an interview uh with the ceo of vice media and and literally all of their advertising based revenues they have a lot of revenues on syndication syndicating their content all over the world but their advertising sponsorship based revenues are all native and that's a news organization. So that's it's interesting that they're being able to make it work. It's the, one of the fastest, super fast-growing, multi-billion-dollar valuation, growing like crazy, really, really successful. Profit margins are off the charts when it comes to media and publishing. Yeah. And they're doing a really good job making this work, and they've sort of figured this thing out. BuzzFeed, of course, as well, we talk about all the time. But what's interesting, I want to get your take on this. I had a conversation. I, I was with a... A fairly well-known company and a senior-level marketer in that well-known company <laughs> said – we were talking about native advertising. And he said, Joe, don't you think that this is just a period of time where we're seeing this conversation happen, this disagreement or whatever you want to call it around native advertising? But in the next couple of years, we'll never hear about it again. This is just where right now we're struggling with a new way that brands are underwriting content and media and publishers are allowing for that, even though it's not new. We know this. We've talked about it forever. But it's more because we all have access to it now. We're inundated with it. We see it firsthand more and more of this content. But maybe in, he basically said, in the next three to five years and beyond, definitely not outside the next decade, we're not going to be having this conversation anymore. Or do you think? What do you think? Well, about I that? think it's impossible to know, right? I mean, I think it's impossible to know whether the reason that we're not having this conversation is because it's become accepted, and we just go, "Yeah, that's the way it is now." Um, in much the same way that we look at, you know, banner ads, or we look at SEO, or we look at, you know, sort of accepted practices. Or the point, and you correct me if I'm wrong here. The point I think he was trying to make, which is, this is, you know, this is going to go away. This is, you know, this is just something that's that's happening now and, and ultimately is um, – well, let me ask. Was he saying that this is a fad and this is going away? Or? No, he was saying that it's going to be accepted. Yeah, I think that's – It's going to be fully – native advertising, whatever you want to call it, sponsored content, is going to be fully accepted as this happens more and more. Because let's let's just be realistic. The majority of digital advertising right now is spent as banners and buttons right sure. now. That's in, that's not going to happen in the next couple of years simply because of mobile usage. It, you're not getting banners and buttons on mobile device. You're getting sponsored that's content. Right. So whatever, that de- the desktop experience as we know it is going to go away. We're going to have this mobile operating 
environment that we've been living in now it's going to continue to improve and if brands want to want to do this besides the fact that they're they could go the content marketing route if they want to go to the native advertising route there's i don't think there's going to be another option to do that hey i want to underwrite stories i want to get promotion and distribution that's why i want to use you how do i do it well yeah we got a whole slew and maybe it just looks differently maybe it's more like the PBS type model where they're really just under, Hey, PBS wants to do this story. It's really important. And we need an underwriter underwritten by X. I don't know. I think that's, I, I, I absolutely think that's right. I mean, I think, well, you know, the, the interesting thing to me is, you know, we, we, and we talked about this a couple of shows ago when we talked about the difference, you know, the sort of trends in mobile, maybe it was during the mayor, Mary Meeker segment we did, um, where we talked about the results out of the Mary Meeker study. And we talked about the idea that it's not really about, you know, when we think mobile, we think phone and mobile is really better defined as untethered because, you know, so the interface for that, whether it comes in the form of a, you know, iPhone 6 Plus or a Samsung Galaxy or an iPad or a Slate computer or a car, you know, I think those interfaces are changing, and I think your point, which is a good one, is as those interfaces become increasingly things that we take on the go, um, d- independent of how large they are, the idea of a banner ad in that interface sort of begins to lose its, you know, lose its usage or, or, or usefulness, I guess. And so, the idea that you can sponsor content, which is the thing that you want when you, you know, look at that screen. Is is really the thing that drives the you know is going to drive the the engagement the click through, <clears throat> and so from that perspective, it you know we have to look at it mm-hmm. beyond well, the, the, buttons, the last buttons and banners. The, yeah, the the last thing that I'll say on this is if you look at the data USA, more positive, less po- positive for the brand. More positive ten percent, less positive twenty two percent. This is if you run a native advertising piece. This is per their uh, their data. Neither nor sixty eight percent. So just do the difference. You're talking a difference of 12%. Not a, I mean, I don't even know how if that's how st- statistically significant that is. But it's not a huge, huge difference. Right. One of the companies, I was just talking to a company last week. This is Joe. You know, we're having some success in Native. Um, you know, what What would you suggest? And I said, well, if <laughs> you, you're seeing success, success, I said, pillage. Yeah, exactly. I said, I don't know. I said, I don't know how long the media company is going to let you do this. Go to town oh, if you're seeing if you're seeing good results. Go for it because <laughs> we went from z- we went from basically in in five years five let's say five to seven years we went from less than five percent of media right. companies offering a native advertising product to over seventy five percent in a very short period of time really out of desperation on the publisher side because they need revenues and oh hey there's a whole bucket of native advertising money let's go get that I don't. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't know how long they're going to keep that open, or if these companies are even going to survive outside of the vices and Buzzfeed. So, anyways, if you're a brand, I think there's huge opportunity. I'd go at least test. It. Oh, it's, at least I test love it. the pillage, pillage, <laughs> pillage the village. <laughs> All right, moving on to our last story of the show. Um, and speaking of mobile, and speaking of time, uh, Facebook is now taking time into account into the algorithm of how it actually displays your newsfeed. Um, and this comes to us uh, courtesy of Facebook uh, itself, where the release that talks about this talks about it says, the goal of newsfeed is to show you the content that matters to you. Yeah. Um, and so the actions people take on Facebook, liking, commenting, or sharing a post, are historically some of the main factors we've considered to determine what to show at the top of your newsfeed. But these factors don't always tell us the whole story about what is meaningful to you. Then recently, we, as part of our ongoing effort to improve the newsfeed, blah, blah, blah. And basically, the article goes on to talk about how they're going to now take time the length of time that you spend on a given post as its significance to you in terms of engagement. So what say you, Joe Polizzi? Are we now about to see 4,000 and 5,000 word essays uh, as Facebook posts? Oh, God, I hope not. <laughs> I really do. Um, you know, it's hard to keep up with these algorithm changes. And, and I get it. You know, you and I both get asked about Google all the time. And I said, you know what? Just focus on solving the informational needs of your audience on a consistent way, telling a unique story. 
and do it, you know, do it over time, you're probably going to be okay. You know, do some of the plumbing associated with metadata and whatnot. I would say I would give the same advice for your Facebook feed, right? Focus on who's your target, who is your audience, what do you want them to do? Focus on really <laughs> who's your good, daddy and what who's you do. <laughs> good engaging, good engaging content. There you go. Always take it as down in places we shouldn't be going. Um, but what I really thought was interesting out of this about this total time reading or this TTR metric right. that we yeah. talked about last yeah. week about Medium. So Medium used to say, hey, that TTR, they said to their editors, that's gold. That's all we're exactly. focused on. That's our main metric, TTR. And they've moved. If you would have listened to episode 83, you would have known that they're moving to a more subscription type oriented exactly. where they want to get the email address and they're going to monetize based on email. But here it is, Facebook, an advertising platform. For the most part, that's how they make their money, and they're going to this TTR model, which I, I think is fascinating. As you see the models break out into TTR works for advertising, subscription works for every other type of monetization, and there you go. So this, I, I don't know. I mean, are you? Is this something that we should be really paying attention to? Well, I think it is in the scheme of Facebook. It is because I think it's going to change the way that brands approach content. I mean, the brands that are there. Um, and that are looking for more organic relevance are gonna are gonna start. I mean, this is, you know, look, you're. I think you're gonna start seeing very. I mean, I've already started to see a, a, a few posts from branded content um, that is longer in nature and sort of, you know, explains everything to you in very long drawn. Keep you on the oh, platform longer. This is but like, you know what's you know, interesting. This is like when you call up, you know, when you call up the the, the phone company and you're calling a toll free number or a toll number, but it's giving you some free service and they give you the five minutes of instructions so that they're keeping you on the phone. It's like, if you'd like to make this choice, you should press one. If you, I mean, and they, and they keep you on the phone longer and longer because the longer they keep you on, the more toll charges you're racking up and they earn a percentage of that. This is, you're going to start to see some of that on, you know, people trying to game but, this algorithm. Exactly. But you know what's so curious about this? This comes out the exact same time as they launched the publishing right. media deals exactly. with the New York Times yeah. and National Oh, what a shock. Is, what a shock. Unbelievable. Yes. So they're automatically, so then if you be... <laughs> It's so crazy. So now if you become a publisher, they're going and somebody engages in your content, they're going to reward you because those are going to be showing up more in consumers news feeds and they're going to be able to make more revenue off that and then of course give a revenue share to their publishing partners. I'll tell you. Yeah, they're I smart. Know. I mean, they're smart. yeah, they're, they're super smart. They're super, super smart. incredibly smart. So what it'll be is so so what does this mean for brand publishers as as Facebook opens up that brand pub or the publishing platform for brands, it's going to be it's going to look really good because you're going to say, "Hey, you can get two, three, four minutes, or X number of times <laughs> the 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 post feed because of this algorithm." Hey, hey, little boy, you want some candy? You want, you want some Facebook candy? But there's the same thing. I mean, they came out with the photos thing. Hey, if you put right, a photo exactly. in, it's going to be more. And then they Video. said, "No, no, no, no photos." Yes, photos, no video photos. Video came out this week, by the way, in an article that we're not covering for the show. Video came. I mean, they said uh, – I saw some statistic. I'll get this statistic wrong, but it's but it's something to the effect of 1.2 billion videos are uploaded to Facebook or something. It's basically rivaling – it's now rivaling YouTube in the amount of video that Facebook is serving. It really is amazing how video has taken it's over just Facebook. There's no doubt about it. And, and, of, and YouTube is super concerned right now, as they should yeah. be. Because it's just naturally occurring video within the stream. And, you know, if you really want to, it's harder to get that type of a feel in a YouTube, in the YouTube platform. Absolutely. Well, speaking of brands and branded content, we have a wonderful sponsor. Our last week with our wonderful sponsor. Last week, of course, I'm sure they will be back. But we love our our partners at Citrix GoToWebinar. Did you you know, Rob? Yes. Did you know that a good content marketing strategy begins with a powerful story? Did <laughs> I, I you heard that somewhere? Did you I also did know that. that marketers are finding success using webinars to help them tell that story yeah, across the entire, the entire buyer's journey? Did the you know this? Of the because journey. there's this guy named Robert Rose, uh, uh, Content Marketing Institute's chief strategy officer. That oh, oh my gosh, I just that's yeah, you. I know. That's you. Explores how and why content marketers are expanding the use of webinars across every stage of the buyer's journey. But, and by the way, all kidding aside, it's a great report. 
It was a fun one to write. It was a fun one. It was nice of the folks that go to webinar to work with us on this. Uh, You should download it if you haven't, uh, because I would imagine if you're like most people, you're using webinars for just one portion of the buyer's journey. Maybe it's lead. If you're like most B2B companies, lead generation. I need names. We need more names. Let's go do webinars, which is fine. But I I actually like webinars for uh, customer loyalty and retention, which I think is fantastic. You should look at that. And you know what? Robert talks about it in the report. Go to webinar.com slash CMI, all caps. Go to webinar.com slash CMI, all caps, to download the brief, and you will learn why you should broaden the scope of webinar usage, best practices for approaching content by purpose, and how to map webinars across the entirety. (laughs) entirety. (laughs) <laughs> the buyer's journey. I'm sorry, folks. Inside joke. I've been saying entirety for, for four weeks now, and that is a Robert Rose yeah. word. He uses entirety entirely too much. <laughs> and that's it. Thanks to Citrix to Webinar. We you, love Citrix. you. We appreciate Such it. Great... Go download the report. It's the last week. We'll have it, and uh, and we appreciate there. All right, ladies and gentlemen. It is time for your favorite part of the show. It is our rants and rave segment where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave on something that makes us feel like winter is coming or summertime is here. And let's see. I guess uh, 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 you're going first, aren't you? I would. Yes, <clears throat> I would go first. And this will this will be super quick. Um, at least I, I always think <laughs> yeah. it is. And I go on and on and ramble and everybody's like, would you stop it, Joe? I saw this article today. Uh, thanks to uh, Bosax. If you, by the way, if you want to get subscribed, if you're a publishing person, like you love publishing in the publishing business, Bosax, B-O-S-A-C-K-S, S-A-C-K-S, has a fantastic e-newsletter that Robert and I both subscribe to, and we get really uh, great. email yeah. distributions all the time. And I got this article from from Bo or Bob, uh, and and it's called "Can Publishers Innovate a Broken Business Model?" And the author name author's name is uh, Greg Sattel. And we've actually talked about Greg's articles because Greg also writes for Forbes on occasion. This comes from Innovation Excellence, which is a pretty good site about pub- you know, they talk about publishing on occasion. But I really enjoyed this article. But there's one particular part that I thought was interesting that I wanted to share. So there's under the the, the whole article is about these publishers that are going to paywalls and they're going to digital specifically paid digital content. And the whole article is about the fact that this move to digital and digital paywalls is not working for companies like the New York times. And there's a really great analysis of the New York times revenue that actually their growth in digital has fallen down. If you really look at it, honestly, from their decrease in overall advertising revenues from print and then their increase in digital. I mean, they're having a tough time, the New York Times still, as much as we talk about the success of the paywall for uh, New York Times. Anyways, there's a section in here that's, and I'll read it for you. It says, the golden rule of media is that all is that marketers will pay more for consumers than consumers will pay for content. Huh. That's that, interesting. Isn't that yeah. interesting? I'll read yeah. that again because it's super interesting. And this that has always been the case because the belief in content was that it would be mostly paid through advertising. The golden rule of media is that marketers will pay more for consumers than consumers will pay for content. And I read that, Robert. You know what I thought of right away? I said, here's a case for content marketing. Because <clears throat> yeah. mar- we will pay more as marketers for direct interactions with consumers at all, and that's why you're seeing investment come over to the content marketing side because advertising isn't working as much. We're going over to content marketing, trying to build those relationships, and it's a much better business model. Content marketing, or or the let's say the media business in selling products and services ultimately through your company, is a much better business model than a media company that is monetizing through the pay uh, through paid content. I love that. So, isn't that something? And it basically, I'll, and this is one more sentence. It's, it's, the, it's the next part of this. Is that doesn't mean that digital subscription businesses can't work. Some can, but it, but it does mean that paywalls are mostly a waste of time and effort that could be spent more productively elsewhere. Yeah. And which is why I say all the time, if you're getting into the paid content business, tread lightly because it has to be, first of all, you have to have a free subscription offer that's amazing. And then you can try to convert a percentage of those to your paid offering. So you have to have a pretty big free subscription number, first of all, to do that. And then to convert, it's just very, very tough wow, to, that, to There's a huge takeaway for marketers there too, who are, you know, some, one of the times, you know, often I'll get the question of what should we put behind the gate and what should we not put behind the gate? 
I mean, there's a that's a great that's a that's a great sort of not case study, but certainly idea there, right? I mean, you know, in, in terms of if you're putting it behind a gate, it better be worth it because you know we are we you're actually willing to pay more for that consumer and knowing that consumer than they're willing to pay for the content itself. And so when we start thinking about how much data we want to extract, that's a, it's a it's just a great model to keep in mind. I like that. Well, you know, you you and I we've consulted a, a little bit on you know as as some of our some of the brands that we work with are launching events. That's right. And they all say, "Hey, I'm going to charge two thousand dollars USD for this event because we oh we could really make money off of this." I said, "Yeah, absolutely could." Just like the article says, "Yeah, some work. Yeah, you right. absolutely can. You can do that." But what we found, if you really look at most of the user events going on out there, the majority of the tickets are heavily discounted or actually given away for free. Sure. Because all you want is what's the value of the person engaging in exactly. your content? That's what you, That's really, what you want. really want. And and do you want to do you? Is it so important for you to, to defray that cost up front instead of seeing the return? At the end of the day. So once you can figure out what the return could be under your hypothesis that you're making for the business model, you could say, hey, I know I wanted to charge 500 bucks, but really we could make an average of 2000 if we do this right per person on revenue or, or keeping the customer longer or whatever the case yep. is. So anyways, this is just a good example. Just of it. love that. Just absolutely love that. All right. Well, I have an interesting one this week. Um, I'm going to try in the next two minutes here to tie together ISIS, the terrorist organization, Calvin and Hobbes, and content marketing. <laughs> well, first of all, you've never done anything in two minutes. Yeah, okay. So let's all right. just, well, let's just, at yeah. least not, not, not on this Thank show. You you've much, never sir. done anything I, I in two minutes. I appreciate that vote of incompetence. Um, <laughs> but I'm really – we're all curious to hear how you're going to wrap this one okay. together. Okay. Well, it starts with a rave, and the rave is a big hat tip, by the way, to Helena Swedberg. Um, at Helena Swedberg, um, uh, who put this through the hashtag. Um, and so thanks for that. And our own Chuck Fry, who also sent this to me via email. It's just a great story. Um, and it uh, comes to us from NPR.org, and it's uh, about this boy named Owen. And he lost his Calvin and Hobbes doll, uh, which, of course, was Hobbes, um, the tiger. And of course, we know that Hobbes has a secret life as a real-life tiger, and when uh, Owen lost Hobbes at the airport, at the Tampa International Airport, basically uh, the crew took over because they uh, the airport's janitorial crew found the doll um, in the airport itself, and they decided all on their own to take the tiger for some gelato. They went behind the scenes of the airport, um, stopped by a hotel, played Jenga. Basically, they took all these pictures um, and then Owen got, of course, onward to his home in Texas, and he was then reunited with uh, Hobbs. And when he was reunited, the airport operations manager put together a bound book of photographs that showed everything that Hobbs had been up to while he was traveling, showing him behind the scenes, showing him eating gelato and all of that. And it was put out in, uh, for that. And it made all the news and got lots of lots of wonderful coverage about that. And I just thought... It was a great. The thing I like so much about it was when we're thinking about, you know, our the people in our company, we can remember that all of them have the potential to tell stories. It is not just marketing, but it is all of the people who work in our organization and if somehow we can work with them to 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 give them that ability to let them think out of the box like that, which is hard in some companies, but to let them tell some of the stories and mine some of the wonderful things that happen, um, they can absolutely add value to what we're trying to do. That's a hard, by the way, that is really hard it's, in big companies. It's a really difficult to thing do. to do, but it's one of those things where that is something that if, you know, people ask me all the time if internal communications are really important, and I think it may be, internal communications may be the one most important thing to do um, when starting a content marketing program because it enables and frees those people to start thinking like that. All right, so now flip the coin here, and I want to hat tip to Glenn Saban, who encouraged me through email to go through this. This is a this is new territory, folks. And I would love to hear, by the way, on Twitter or through email or whatever, if this is a road that you feel like we should go down more frequently because we've purposely avoided the idea of politics and 
world and serious issues here because of, you know, the nature of the show is to be lighthearted, etc. But this, he sent over a question to both Joe and I, and I ended up answering it in an email talking about how it was an article, and we'll put the link to the article in the, in the show notes, of course, about how ISIS, um, the terrorist organization, is a lot savvier than the U.S. government when it comes to content marketing, um, especially that which is tied to social. And he was saying that time and again, there's discussions in the press about how the sophistication of ISIS's propaganda, um, they don't call it content marketing, of course, um, but their content machine. And so he was asking if we might provide our view on it. And I was like, I don't know if we really want to do that or not. But, you know, he was encouraging and, and then, Joe, you were encouraging to me. And so I thought I'd, I'd just take my take on it. And, and my take on it is that I'm not sure that savvier is the right word, and it might be that it's more agile. And what it reminds me of is that it's not unlike sort of the startup company versus the enterprise challenge, um, which is we can see happening today startups really pivoting quickly. The, you know, CEOs on Twitter, um, they're media darlings because they can say really controversial stuff. They've got fewer constituencies to please, and they can certainly um, don't have to satisfy a lot of different politics. And this is sort of where I think ISIS finds itself, where there's no wrong. Anything they do is not wrong, and they're not being held to a standard either internally or externally, quite frankly, um, because they're playing sort of the revolutionary villain card, whereas the U.S. in this case has to play the same role that, a, uh, that an enterprise company has to play in many cases, which is everybody's watching for them to make a misstep. And the U.S. has to actually range, you know, manage this whole mishmash of messages and all of these things and deal with different constituencies and, quite frankly, just can't move in, in an agile uh, a way about that. And it reminds me, I was watching the news segments the other day with um, General Stanley McChrystal, who's promoting a new book on the show, Content Marketing. And, and he's talking about this book, Team of Teams, which I just downloaded and started to read, which is really interesting because he's talking about how there has to be new ways to organize armed forces in a new way where the enemy acts like this. And he's talking about a virtual organization and the lessons that he's now learning from startups like Airbnb, et cetera, that all have very small infrastructures but can act at scale. Um, and he says this is a new model for the enterprise organization more broadly, and that's the point of his book. And he said most specifically armies and governments that need to act in this way to be able to fight the sort of virtual startup that something like ISIS is, which I think is just a fascinating thing. So I'm, it's not really a rant or a rave, but anyway, so to connect this, um, I, I think uh, – so I'm reminded and – I, and I sent this when I sent this to, uh, to, to Glenn who sent this over – I'm reminded of a, of a Sun Tzu quote, which is from The Art of War. And the quote goes, when the Asians uh, look at what they call a clever fighter, they look at one who not only wins, but excels in winning with ease. And they say, hence, his victories bring him neither reputation or wisdom or credit. And this is where I'm going to try and connect these two together, because what I think is really fascinating here is, is that we have this innate need in our businesses for the storyteller in everybody. Everybody has to be able to tell the story that we want them to tell or hopefully surprise us with connected stories that may, you know, like the airport where where it would be um, something that really surprises not only our customers but us, whether it's our team members, our employees, store associates. And here's the thing. If we're doing this right, many of them are going to start doing these things without credit. They're not going to get credit for it. And as we in companies can not only start to show the, the, the value of creating valuable experiences, content-driven experiences with a purpose, in other words, can we create this with a purpose where employees can see that we're devoted to this, will that also start to develop a culture in the company where employees will start to do this on their own without credit? And if you can figure out a way as a business to start creating content that's great for your industry – that furthers your ideas, what you stand for, what you believe in, and you may not get credit for it. You may go unsung, but what will be the most clever fighter in the battle there, and you will not only win, but you'll excel at winning with ease. So hopefully that didn't go off the rail, and I hope it made a little bit of sense. Anyway, that's my rant and rave this week. 158, 
one fifty nine. Not even close to two not minutes. Even close to two minutes. That was fantastic. I don't know how you did not that under close. two minutes. Not even close. What was I like five minutes or something? No, I mean the agile thing is so critical. It reminds me, and I talk about this in in the new book, Content Inc. is um, the David versus Goliath yeah. thing. Yeah, everybody thinks that David is the underdog, but really what happened is is that Goliath was expecting to play by certain rules, and David just didn't play by those That's rules. That's right. Had a whole different set of rules that were totally unconventional, and David won. Clearly, he had the advantage. That's I think you're talking about something similar there, and that's a big cultural change in big organizations. That's right, a huge one. And I think the the point I'm really trying to make in that is, and I'm starting to see this more and more, is that the value of content marketing as a as an approach in the business not only provides value at the the surface level, the sort of you know, of course, more leads, of course, more sales, better customers, better net promoter score, all that. But it also provides a purpose that can be shown to the, I don't want to say employees, but for lack of a better word, sort of the rest of the organization as something to strive for in all of their jobs, right? So it's not just, so here's the company sort of exhibiting the best practices of giving value to a customer in the most positive experience that we can, something that we believe in, that we stand for. And that can be just an example of something and give them an example of something that they can do in their day-to-day interactions with customers. So I think this is kind of what um, Starbucks is trying to do a little bit with what they're, you know, this whole the release relations thing that they didn't handle terribly well. But those kinds of ideas seem to me to be really culturally valuable to the company um, and something that we can look at as value beyond just generating leads. Super important. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of kind of plays in. Uh, <laughs> did, that didn't come out right. Super important. That's super important. Let's go on to the next stuff. The more you that's know. Fed, that's fed, that's fed. <laughs> oh, what do we got for this oh, old marketing doing this fine, week? And now what I, do we now got for this old it. marketing this week? Mm. All right, here we go. So, uh, I you know I think I've talked about game theory on the show a couple times but i don't think we've done it as of this old marketing and i just thought now was the time i the reason why i wanted to do it is i was getting interviewed uh for a forbes piece today on the book uh content inc and for those of you who don't know know, content inc is coming out in september we'll release it at content marketing world but the whole idea is instead of launching a business as an entrepreneur with an idea to sell something or a service related item we're going to first build an audience through a content marketing program and then monetize it in multiple ways once you build that audience. And that's kind of how we did Content Marketing Institute. But also, as we've gone out and done these interviews, I'm fascinated that the model is the same across what all these entrepreneurs and small businesses are doing. And the one that I love is is one of my favorite ones. And he actually will be on the cover of uh, Chief Content Officer Magazine for our show issue for Content Marketing World is Matthew Patrick. So I want to just do a little bit of, give you a little bit of the story about how I found out about this. So this is, let's fast, you know, take it back. Let's see, it was November. So November of last year, I walk in, the kids are watching a YouTube video and I'm listening to it. And they start talking about subscriber burn. And I, of course, turn over because subscriber burn, that's a that's a pretty interesting topic around YouTube and subscriber relationships. And I'm like, what are my kids doing listening to subscriber burn? And I sat down and they were listening to a show called Game Theory by this guy named Matthew Patrick. And, I'm, and I sat down and I watched the whole rest. They're all like 10 minutes each. And I watched the whole thing. I thought it was super interesting. And then as soon as I found out about what this guy was doing, I went and did a bunch of research, found out that basically Matthew Patrick is a performance artist. He was an actor. He had no real job experiences, but wanted to get a job, get a job in business or marketing or something like that, but had no uh, no experience at all that people would hire him for. And he said, well, you know what I'll do is I'll start a YouTube channel of some kind around my passion and what I know so that I can have something to show people that would want to hire me. So 
he's had a real passion for video games and then had his real amazing expertise around math and analytics, which is what we call the sweet spot in the book, Content Inc., and started to create this weekly show called Game Theory. And it's just, it's really odd things that happen in games like uh, like Minecraft or uh, like Mario Brothers or whatever the case is, that things that happen in the game, that are they right and how does it work and relativity and gravity and all this stuff that kids are really interested in. Started to build was within you know with a year plus had hit 500 subscribers. Now you know another year later he's got four point. I'm on the page right now. Four point six million wow. subscribers right now, and this is from one video every week consistently. Now he's got multiple series. Uh, going on. He's got a whole team behind him, monetizes the program many, many different ways through. Now he just added merchandise, just launched a new platform called um, Film Theory, I think is what he's calling it. Or yeah, it's Film Theory, I believe, because I just saw the one on Harry Potter. So he's doing the same kind of thing and breaking down theories and mysteries in certain movies and doing the same thing to it. The last one I saw had like over a million views. It was like in a day that he's getting. It's unbelievable. And what's really interesting I don't know how many people he has. I know it's over ten now. When we, when uh, Claire McDermott, our edit, chief editor for uh, chief content officer, did the interview, monetizing it all different ways. It's unbelievable. YouTube even consults with him, so YouTube directly is trying to figure out because he has he has an algorithm that he works better than anyone else and understands the system better than anyone, and has grown this. He consults with the leading. Uh, the the leading YouTubers that are out there on how they can get more of an audience and build this thing. But I just think it's fascinating because here's a guy with no resources and just an idea and a little bit of passion and goes and puts together a multi-million dollar business now doing whatever he wants, doing doing his own thing. It's just tremendous. And, and I really like the idea and kind of a takeaway for everybody here, monetizes it four or five different ways. A little bit of consulting. We got some products. We got a little bit of services here. We got some advertising. Advertising. Yep. I mean, all kinds of different ways to monetize, which I think is amazing that we think about it. Yes, we go in with a hypothesis with our business and we say, hey, yes, we think that uh, our customers will stay longer if we do this thing or they'll end up buying more. But there's actually many different ways we can monetize the platform, even even unbelievably into advertising and sponsorship as well. We've seen a lot of uh, a lot of companies do that as well. But I just love this example and I loved it so much when I talked to him on the phone I said, "Would you present a workshop? Uh would you do a general se- session uh, breakout and would you present at Content Inc, which is uh, our event on the la- last day of content marketing world specific for entrepreneurs and startups. So I got him presenting three times nice. at Content Marketing <laughs> World talking about this cuz it's fascinating. He's a great presenter. It's fascinating. I just love what this kid is doing. And actually, I, what I really like about it is it's kind of, you know, my kids are, you know, 12 and 13 and it's 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 good compa- good stuff, good wholesome stuff compared to what they could be watching. <laughs> it's not wholesome wholesome. Yeah. I mean, he's got some things in there, but it's it's not horrible I stuff. And it. if you get a chance, check it out. We'll put the links in the show notes and of course on iTunes and Stitcher so you can check it out. But I just love what this guy has done with minimal resources and I I can't stand it. I know you and I hear it all the time about I don't, we don't have enough budget. We don't have enough money. Well, it has nothing to do with that honestly. That's right. Because every one of the case studies we talk about in Content Inc had nothing. They had two nickels to rub together if that. And they started these multi-million dollar platforms. It's the fact that they had passion and they were willing to, to the last point that you just made, they were willing to play by a different set of rules. That's the biggest issue. It's kind of breaking through that. And then, then, you know, as an entrepreneur, you don't have any cultural barriers. You're, you're trying to feed yourself. You're trying to feed your family. So it's a little bit different. So there you go. Game theory. I like it very much. All right. So where are you off to? Are you home? What are you doing? I'm home this week, absolutely. Home this week. Uh, we're putting the final touches on uh, Content Marketing World, uh, a couple sessions here, so it's it's looking good. I can't believe it. We've got over 150 speakers this year, wow. uh, including Mr. Robert Rose. Oh, please. A few times. I think you're doing, I believe you're doing the Q&A with Mr. John I'm, Cleese, or I'm Sir John Cleese, I should say. I'm already starting to work on that. I am, I, you As you should. You understand how, how, how nervous and wonderfully excited I am about that. That is, yeah. It's pretty well. Don't blow it. Yeah, thanks. No, just kidding. <laughs> You're gonna do. It's gonna be fantastic. No, it's and and Mr. Cleese has been great to work with, by the way. So it'll be fun. And of course, uh, 
you know, we got the bare naked ladies thing wrapped up, so they're going to be coming down from Canada. That'll be that'll be fun. No, so just working on that stuff this this week. I got a couple, uh, you know, presentations in the area, but nothing nothing where I'm going out of town. None. And you're coming back when? I go. I get home on Wednesday night. I'm actually leaving here tomorrow night, and for Seattle, where I will visit our friends at uh, Microsoft. Um, and uh, work a little bit on their content, their new and wonderful content marketing approach. Um, and then I'll be home after that for a couple of weeks. So I'm I'm, I'm well, super psyched to be off the road. You uh, you deserve it, man. Safe safe travels. Make it home safe and enjoy the Thank time. Thank you at home very much. There. That is it, folks. For Joe Polizzi, this is Robert Rose signing off. And you know, tweet us up hashtag this old marketing. And you know, follow us all that stuff. You know, if you got a question, send an email. We like email. This old marketing at contentinstitute.com. And if you like this episode number eighty four. We hope you'll consider subscribing on iTunes or Stitcher.com. All the links will not only be in the show notes that we put on iTunes now, but it will also be available on our show post, which comes out on Saturday at thisoldmarketing.com. And do tune in next week when we're going to hear Joe say, how did your brain ever even learn human speech? Remember, folks, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing. Part of the CMI Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows at contentmarketinginstitute.com.